Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, as we're kind of diving in here, I'll tell you, here's the issue. We were talking about what happened in 2020, and last year at 2020, I preached to about 10 people in the room because that's all we were allowed. And uh, we, you know, the idea was do it up big, do it all, everything you can. But the Lord kind of whispered something. The Holy Spirit, I believe, just kind of spoke to my heart and said, strip it down. What's important this year is, is that the gospel's preached. And we don't need a lot of fluff. We don't need a lot of illustration this year. And so we just kind of brought it down to its basis, even to the point that even my message is different than your typical Easter message. But I feel like it's important. Today I want to talk to you on the, the title of the sermon is Canceled. Why? Because we live in a cancel culture where everything is so easily just to do away with. When I don't like it, uh, I I just cancel it. If I don't like what you do, I can go back 10 years, 15 years in your life, find one spot in your life that you messed up, and I can say, I'm done with you. Now, don't get me wrong. This whole idea of cancel culture started off because there were some very uh, bad things happening, and people stood up for it, and there was a righteous reason to begin it. But isn't that the way it always starts? Usually there's always a good star, but people manipulate it, corrupt it, and change it. Now we have people walking away from their faith at a regular basis because of something that they don't believe lines up with the Scripture, with their personal life. And so the minute they see that something doesn't line up, they're like, I'm out. We have kind of what I call a TikTok theology in life right now. TikTok, you can get 15-second funny videos, you can get, you can lip sync, you can do dances, you can do other stuff. The problem is, is that now people are trying to give you 15-second uh, theology lessons without any proof. And so they will take something that's in the scripture and tell you something you've been told all your life is wrong and how they found in this and this and the Greek was misinterpreted and stuff. But the truth is, is that's not true. In fact, more when you go back to the actual writings and actual teachers and you do research, you find out that everything they're saying is false. But if you produce a good video for 15 seconds and you sound really confident in what you said, you can get lots of buy-in. And so there's a problem. We've all been, at some point, kind of experienced it maybe in life. You know, in church, being a pastor, uh, we've experienced it. Uh, our staff, our church, uh, myself, we've poured into people's lives. We've poured into the lives of people who have, uh, we've we paid maybe their rent. We've maybe led them to the Lord. We've been there during funerals. We've driven to hospital visits hours away. We, we've, we've done all this stuff. And then in a moment of something they don't like, uh, they just walk away. You're done. Canceled. We see this in family lives. How many of us could probably name someone that we have someone in our family that, that we have been there for, raised them, our own kids, and in one instant they don't like something you say, boom, they're done. They walk away, and parents and, and kids who haven't talked to each other for 10, 15, 20 years, all because of one disagreement. It's this regular thing. But it's no different. Jesus experienced this idea of cancel culture, even in his teaching, that there were many times where people walked away because they disagreed with what he said, even though he was doing miracles. It's always easy to follow Jesus when everything's good and he's popular. And everything is for my benefit. There's, we say words like blessing. I like that word. Blessing's good. Trials, don't like that. <laughs> we like the idea of miracles. That sounds good. Speak miracles, I'm all for that. Sickness and, and, and going through hard times, not a big fan. Everybody being healthy in my family and not needing to go to the doctor, sounds amazing. 
going through cancer treatments and trials and knowing that God is still in control. I don't want to do that. And so we kind of mix up what we want to do. And so here we're fixing to get the scriptures in John chapter 6 today. And in John chapter 6, they're coming off. In fact, the same people that Jesus multiplied uh, the bread uh, and fed 5,000 and, and the fish and, and, and fed all these people start coming up and they want to see more miracles. So they start talking to Jesus. Uh, hey, what's going on? What can you do? And in the, he's teaching along the synagogue near the, uh, in Capernaum north of the Sea of Galilee, and they're trying to get him to feed them again, and they like that trick, you know, feeding 5,000. Who doesn't like more food? So they're going through all of this, and in the middle of this, Jesus says something. He claims to be the bread of life, and that he's come down from heaven, and their literal minds can't handle this. Their literal minds are so confused, like, what do you mean you're the bread of life? It'd be like me standing up here, listen, I just want you to all know that I know you're hungry, but I'm a hamburger. <laughs> and I've come down that you will not be hungry again. And you're like, he's crazy. Because in our literal minds, we can't understand. They did not understand that Jesus was speaking spiritually. That spiritually he could give them more than what their body ever needed. That there's something that their soul needed that he could satisfy. He's the only one who could satisfy. When he said he's the bread of life, he was literally saying, I am the spiritual bread that gives your spiritual life. And they couldn't wrap their head. In fact, they go into this idea, we know your parents. There's no way you came from heaven. And in verse 42 of John chapter 6, they basically say that. They said, isn't this Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his father and his mother. How could he say, I came down from heaven? That doesn't make any sense. I came down from heaven. No, you didn't. I remember when you were crawling under pews. I remember when your parents couldn't find you. They had to backtrack because they had so many kids. Why they'd have that many kids, I don't know. But they lost him, and they had to go all the way back to the temple to go find him again. I remember that, Jesus. And his dad a construction worker? Doesn't he work on houses? And then his mom have a claim that was really pretty outrageous one time that, that, that she didn't cheat on Joseph, but she had this baby and it just kind of happened. We remember Jesus. There's a lot of funny stories about him we could tell. So there's no way they were buying in. And then he goes into something crazy. And if you skip down to verse 54 and verse 55, he launches into the most crazy statement that any leader, that any teacher, that any person that any human could possibly make. And he says this, but anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now, Take your idea, you know nothing about the future. You're not, it's not 2,000 years later. You're sitting in the moment of this teaching. You're sitting in the moment of this preaching, and you're not caught up. In fact, you are, you've been following this guy. In fact, he starts a whole new religion called the way. We weren't called Christians so much later on. This, so they're followers of the way. They're following Jesus because he said, I'm the way. Therefore, they're following the way. They're part of the movement of the way. And you're sitting in this teaching. All of a sudden, he starts telling you stuff. You're like, he thinks he's a vampire. He thinks he's a zombie. He thinks he's something. I mean, eat of my body and drink of my blood. This is crazy talk. Who does that? 
Who in the middle of all of this says, listen, just eat of my body, drink of my blood. This was the most crazy statement that anyone can make. See, we're on the other side of 2,000 years, and we understand he's speaking spiritually. But in that moment, they didn't. He's talking about spiritual food equals spiritual life. If you want life eternal, you have to be willing to eat spiritual food. He's speaking so far above their heads, but they don't even give him a chance to explain. In fact, at this point, he starts losing the crowd. I want you to imagine we're doing a big sermon. Everybody's engaged in. It's Easter Sunday, so you're all engaged. You want to hear what we have to say. You enjoyed the worship. You're prepped. You're primed. We start leaning in, and all of a sudden, uh, we're preaching hard, and you're leaning in. It sounds so good. And then I say, I'm a hamburger. <laughs> and you're like, I'm out. <laughs> When's intermission? <laughs> Can we wrap this up? Listen, I'm going to go to the bathroom first. You wait five minutes and you follow me out, and we'll rotate out so slowly. Nobody will ever know that we're slipping out. Because <laughs> that's what we would do. But that's what happened. As Jesus is teaching, slowly he's losing the crowd. They're walking out one by one, and it makes the 12, the inner circle, a little bit nervous. Because, yes, there were the 12 disciples, but then there were... Uh, many disciples, but the 12 were the inner circle. They were the first, the prime, the one that he was always with. In fact, this caused a little bit of a frenzy, uh, and the crowd came uh, to Jesus uh, proclaiming him king, and now at this moment that they had arrived, they're, they're just not so sure. And it says in verse 60, which I think is just so key to what happens in our culture today, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it. What do you do when all of a sudden everything you believed is challenged by whatever you're believing now in life and morality? What happens when the word of God doesn't line up with moral values as they stand in 2021? What happens when we say the Bible's our guidebook for living and this is what we believe scripture teaches and all of a sudden everybody else tells you uh, all Christianity is a bunch of hate speech and it's not. Have there been hateful people in the church? Absolutely. There's hateful people in the world. There's hateful people everywhere. That doesn't mean that's Christ. But it does mean there is still a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And there's still sin, and we still have got to call sin what it is, and we've got to be able to, be able to stand for what's righteous and stand against what's not. It's easy to dive in when everybody preaches what you agree with. Blessings. Woo! Empty grave. Yes! Eternal life. Yes! Sin. Whoa. See, it's hard to dive in in the middle. We think, how can we accept this? How can we accept this? And James and John, uh, uh, they're just, uh, they don't know what to do. So they're pulling aside. In fact, they're saying, listen, we're going to talk to Jesus. We don't know what's going on right now. Matthew, tell some jokes. Uh, I'm sure you got some great tax collector jokes because, you know. And so they're pulling him aside. What are you thinking? They're saying, eat of my body and my flesh. Really? Is that what we're going with today? Verse 61, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. He said to them, does this offend you? Does this shock you? Does this offend you? Is it okay as long as I tell you that you're going to be uh, wonderful people like last week? They're wondering who's going to sit on your left and your right. If I told you you were going to be rulers in heaven and you're going to sit on my left and right, that's okay. But if I challenge you a little bit, all of a sudden you're offended? You weren't offended when 
The guards were leaving. You weren't offended when, when they came against us and we, we stood strong. You weren't offended when we rescued you. We weren't, you weren't offended then. You weren't offended when the blind were being healed. You weren't offended when the lame could walk. You weren't offended when the dumb could speak. When the lepers were being healed, but this offends you? Verse 62. Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man sitting into heaven again? And the Spirit alone gives him eternal life. And human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. He's telling you, listen, I'm telling you something so deep right now. I'm trying to help you get from, from baby bottles to meat. I'm trying to tell you that, yes, all the stuff that we do, the miracles that affect your body are wonderful, but they're temporal. The things that we, we believe and that we see that God, opening blind eyes, that's great, but it's temporal. The making the lame to walk, that's great, but it's temporal. What I'm trying to tell them is stuff that will satisfy their spirit for eternity, forever and ever and ever. What I'm trying to tell them is there's something beyond this moment and beyond this life that if they can grasp what I'm saying, they could do so much more than what they're doing right now. He's preparing them for his leaving. He's preparing for what's next, and he's trying to get them a little deeper. But some of you, verse 64, do not believe me, for Jesus knew in the beginning which ones would believe, and he knew which ones would betray him. Then he said... That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. In verse 66, one of the saddest verses. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. In that moment, canceled. In that moment, it was the beginning of the end. Listen, I could follow you, but you're going to talk like this. I'm done with you. In one moment, I'm not going into your, any more of your meetings. I'm not giving any more to your ministry. This is ridiculous talk. I'm done. Because all of a sudden, you want me to believe something that I can't understand fully, see fully, can't bring into my own personal life. You're not telling me good things I want to hear. You're telling me hard things that nobody wants to hear. They canceled him. The, the, when the 12 saw the crowd thinning, they started leaving as well. They said it's about to get hard. In fact, one of the things the disciples knew is that the crowds are what kept the, 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 the Romans away. It's what kept the Pharisees away. It's what kept everybody, because nobody would seize Jesus because they didn't want to have to deal with the crowd. But when the crowd starts thinning, all of a sudden they become more approachable and easier to get to. They thought if we lose the crowd, we're going to lose a lot more. We're going to lose our life. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so verse 67, he goes on and he says, Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going to leave? Are you also going to leave? I mean, everybody else is leaving. What do you do when you're part of a select few and it looks like the crowds are leaving and you're left alone? And Jesus is there with just his twelve. And he turns to him and says, Are you going to leave also? You see, the problem that we run into, there are two types of followers of Christ. There are two types of disciples in this, in this group. Um, there, some of us have been following Christ, and it's easy to follow Christ when everything's going your way. 
And you're the type of disciple that when everything's going your way and everything's wonderful, it's easy and you're like, I am all in. But the minute things get tough, you're like, check me out. I'm done. I'm not coming back to church. Pastor said something I didn't like. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a bad week. And following Christ is like this. I'm not going to follow Christ. So I check out until things get bad again. Then I turn around and I start coming back. It's easy to check out when we don't like what we're hearing. So he asked him, are you going to leave too? And when you look at this, seconds pass, it's getting awkward, uh, there's no answer. And all of a sudden, of all people, Peter gives the answer that redeems them all and brings them back to their senses in verse 68. He says, Lord, to whom would we go? If not you, then who? If not this, then what? I mean, there's nothing else out there. Peter realized what the others overlooked. To walk away from Jesus is to walk towards something else. What are you walking towards when you're walking away? The next two statements seal what Peter's trying to say. He said, well, where we go, verse 68, the second part says, you have the words of eternal life. It's you. You have the words of eternal life. When you speak, it gives us hope for eternity. And then in verse 69, it says, we believe and know that you are the Holy One. You're the Holy One of God. You're the one we're following. There's nobody else to follow. We're not going anywhere. We're all in. We're not fly by the seat of your pants, people. We're not fair weather fans. We are all in. We are fans when everything's going well, and we're fans when everything's not. We don't change teams every time there's a new national champion. <laughs> We follow the same one whether they win or whether they lose. <laughs> but we know this, that Jesus doesn't lose. We're all in. It may look like a loss right now, but you've never lost a battle. We're all in. We've seen you get through times before. We're not going anywhere. You see, at this point, you've got to ask this question, what kind of disciple, what kind of Christ follower are you? Do you follow and trust when everything's going great and everything feels good because of the miracles, provision, and the feel-good statements? But if the minute something happens that you don't like or the odds are against you or the teaching's no longer lining up with your current culture, the way you're walking, you break away and you cancel him? Or are you a committed follower of Christ that there's no turning back, there's no off-ramp, there's no plan B, this is it, I'm digging in. You see, crowds are going to turn away. But on this Easter Sunday, on this Resurrection Sunday, my question for you, all, all of you, in the, down on the floor, up in the balcony, watching online, is what kind of Christ follower are you? Are you a fair weather follower of Christ that as long as everything's going your way, you're in, but the minute it doesn't go your way, you're out? Or are you saying there's no other place to go? I can't go anywhere else. I'm all in. There's no, there's no plan B. When I said I give my life, I gave my life forever. In this day and age, in 2021, the thing that we've learned the most is there are a lot of people that are dug in. People have turned away from their following of Christ for such silly things. Rather than digging in and saying, though none go with me, still I'll follow. Instead of having the testimony, he says, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I'm going to make it to heaven somehow. 
instead of saying no matter what what goes on, no matter who comes against me, I'm going to stay in the firing line. I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to still go after Christ. No matter what happens, I'm going to follow him until I can live with him for eternity. That's how dug in I am. When you doubt, you have to ask the question, if not him, who? And if not Christianity, what? Questions tend to complicate things. So what you do to bring clarity is you have to consider your options. Considering your options uh, uh, simplifies the answer. During times of transition, we have to ask the difficult questions. The temptation is to abandon our roots, everything that we've learned growing up. But in times of temptation, we can't. We've got to dig in. Just because you don't have the answer today doesn't mean there's not an answer. Don't abandon your roots while you question. It's okay to doubt. We've all doubted at some point. You know, I grew up in a Christian home and I had doubts. I grew up in a Christian home and I even had doubts. And I walked away when I didn't know where I was walking away. But something got a hold of me and pulled me back in and said, dig in deeper. Hold on a little longer. It's easy to walk away from certain things. But you know what I've learned is that there's nothing's going to separate me and have me to walk away from my relationship with Christ. Walk away from the ministry would be easy, but walk away from Christ, never. You have to ask yourself when you get ready to abandon yourself, to whom should you go? Whom are you going to follow? As I close and the worship team's coming back, Jesus' words are not easily understood in this moment. In fact, following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus' way is going to be hard. But you have to ask yourself, but to whom should we go? For you have the words of eternal life, and you have, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One sent from God. As I close, I want to give you these things. Three ways council culture has strengthened the church or can strengthen the church if we let it. Number one, council culture causes the church to be active rather than passive in our faith. There ought to be something about we are so dug in in our belief and our faith for God that when we get challenged on our belief, we dig our heels in and say, oh no, nothing's turning me around. Nothing's shaking my faith. I don't care how great the storm is. I don't care how great the challenge is. I don't, great how great, I don't care how great the obstacle is. I don't care what it costs me. No matter what, I'm digging my heels in. We ought to be more dug in than the fact that we're a believer than we are an American. We ought to dig our heels in and say, nothing is going to shake my faith. You challenge me, that's fine. You can cancel what you cancel, but I, there's no way I'm turning back. The second thing cancel culture causes the church uh, is to know and articulate our beliefs. And I, I, I want you to understand, I want you to know and be able to articulate your belief. One of the things that we started in 2019, I started talking to our key leaders, our staff, is I have a great concern that our church has a difficult time knowing their apologetics, the ability to defend their faith. 
So we launched out of different things, and we are talking, to, revamping everything from our kids' ministry to our youth to our adults. And man, how awesome it's been! Our our youth, our kids' ministry has uh, started up this past week with girls' ministry, and the Awanas is starting up, I believe, this next week. And we're digging in, and we're going to learn more and more about the Word of God. We need to get your kids there. You need your kids to know the Word of God. If you put it in them when they don't need it, it'll be there when they do need it. So you want to put it in there when they don't. All right? If you have teenagers, they need to not only come to Wednesday Night Youth Service with Pastor Caleb and Morgan and all the great leaders we have. You need them to come to the life groups that happen on Sundays and at other times when they meet. You need them to be a part. You need the young adults. You need to get involved with Kenny uh, Pillow and Addison Pillow and get into the Word and dig in. We have adult life groups for everyone and meet on multiple nights. If you have kids, come on Wednesday nights. We have child care already set up for you. But we have some amazing life groups, and it's never too late to dive in because we want the Word of God to get in you, and we want you to learn how to use it and defend your faith and stand up for what you believe, but you can't do it if you don't know it. We are at a place in the world and in this generation where you can't stand back and say, I don't have to know. I just know what I believe. We need to be willing to defend our faith. And the third thing cancer culture does is it calls us to reposition its hope in God. We've got to realize there's nothing else but God. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in a president, Republican or Democrat. Our, our hope is not in a governor. Our hope is not, our hope is in God alone. In Christ alone, I place my hope. My hope is in an eternal hope. My hope is in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My hope is in the one that he put in the grave that rose three days later. My hope is in something greater than politics, than Medicare, than, than money and financial gain. My hope is in something that is eternal. And so when we get ready to close right now, I want to ask you, to whom will you go? If not God, if not Christ, who would you follow? What will you do? Because many of us today are going to make a very important decision in our life. Many of us today are going to decide whether we're going to follow Christ or whether we're not going to. Some of us during this time, we have been fair weather. We don't mean to be. We get so caught up in our emotions and frustrations. We get up and caught up in everything that we see. We don't know what to believe. And so we're so shaken by our faith. We just keep walking away. We keep not digging in. And we're not the type of disciples that say, I'm digging in no matter what. And let me tell you, today's a great day to rededicate your life. To reestablish, say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm following and if you're in this place and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what a better day to do it than on Resurrection Sunday and say, I want to follow after this Jesus. So with everyone standing and every head bowed, I don't care if your eyes are open, I need you awake. <laughs> but the bowing of our heads is just for reverence for those around us. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three in just a minute. And when I do, if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or say, Pastor Brian, I want to rededicate my life. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I'm going to ask you to keep it raised just for a few moments so I get a count and know who I'm praying for. And after I do that, we're going to pray a prayer together. If you want to come to the front after that, you can come. If you want to go sit at your seats, you can do that. But I want to be able to pray with you. So real quick. I'm going to count 
from your right, from my left, over to, so just give me a little time. One, two, three. If you want to receive Christ, your Lord save you. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We're about to celebrate, but before that, we're going to make this happen. Everybody in this place is going to say a prayer with me because we don't want anybody just to be <laughs> feel awkward. We're going to follow me. But if you say this prayer with me at the end, I'm going to ask you to get with one of our host team and let us know so that we can follow up on you because we know that we want to put resources in your hand. We want to make sure you get plugged into discipleship. It's so important. And then some of our kids are going to get candy, so it's going to, everybody's going to be happy. But let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, today I'm making a choice to follow after you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came to this earth and died on a cross for my sins. Today, I'm choosing to follow after you. I thank you for raising from the dead. And today I'm making the choice to never turn back and to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer, we believe that God has done a great work in you. I want you to allow us to follow up with you. Get with one of our host team, our prayer team, and we are going to celebrate. We will follow up. We promise we will not be stalkers. We, we take your information. We'll, we will not misuse it or abuse it, but get it to us so that we can follow up with you. The worship team's going to play and dismiss you. When they dismiss you, we're going to, you can follow the signs if you're going to the egg hunt, uh, and there should be an information out there anyway. Well, there'll be people directing you, telling you left, right. If you're leaving, we love you guys. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. God bless you.